0: Don't you wish fishing for men? Look at all the kids are still here. They wanted to see Sesame Street. They said, what's going on in there? It's throwback. It's retro. We love Sesame Street too. But don't you wish that fishing for men was as easy as Bert made it out to be? Just yelling out, here, fishy, 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 fishy. fishy." Don't you wish evangelism or sharing our faith was as easy? As Bert made it out to me, just yell it out, and they'll just jump in the boat. Just yell out, hey, come to Jesus, and people will just be swarming in to meet Jesus. Don't you wish it was that easy? But for most of us, sharing our faith is difficult. For most of us, the thought of evangelism is hard. Like our tongues get tired, our palms get sweaty, and we don't know what to say, and we don't know what to do. And the word evangelism even scares us. I mean, the word evangelism, the picture that comes to our mind is a guy sitting on the street corner. He's yelling at people. He's kind of... You know, Paul in his Bible said, you need to believe in Jesus. You know, and we say, well, if that's evangelism, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm not going to share my faith if that's what it means. And most of us don't even like evangelism. But what if we did? What if we actually enjoyed sharing our faith? What if we actually looked forward to explaining to someone about our relationship with Jesus. What if we got up in the morning, we say, God, I want to be a fisher of men this morning. Would you just help me to fish and call out so that people would come and follow you? And what if we learned some fishing skills? And what if we developed patience of a fisherman to reel in people that need to know Jesus? And what if we, as a community, learned to fish together? That's why we're doing this series called I Fish." The series on evangelism. See, a couple of weeks ago, we started out our series in the Gospel of Mark. And what we noticed is that Jesus did not say, follow me and I'll make you more religious. Jesus did not say, follow me and I'll make you a better person. Jesus did not say, follow me and I'll give you a ticket into heaven. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you into a fisher of men. Because followers fish. To follow Jesus is to fish for men. And in week one, I gave everybody a bobber. Do you remember? Do you have your bobbers? Those of you that were week one. And we gave you a bobber to, to remind you of who we are. That if you're a follower of Christ, if you if you consider yourself a Christian, and I ask you the question, do you fish? Your answer would be, yes. I fish. It's who I am. To follow Jesus is to fish. Well, that was week one. And then last week we answered the question, why fish? We realize that people can learn about God by sitting under a tree looking at creation and say, wow, there's a creator. And people can learn about God by going to a temple or a mosque or a synagogue and learn some truths about who God is. And people can even become a a good moral person. But in order to be saved from the consequences of our sin, we need to know Jesus. We need to personally put our faith in Jesus that salvation comes from no one else but through Jesus Christ. And in order for people to get to know Jesus, we need to talk about him. We need to explain the historical reality that there was a guy named Jesus, and he lived a perfect life, and he died a brutal death, and he rose again. And those that put their faith in Jesus will have life eternal and abundant. And this week, we're going to pick up our fishing story in the book of Acts. So if you have your Bibles... I love for you to turn to the book of Acts, it's page ten eighty one in your pew Bibles. And we remember we were following the story of Peter and John. They were with us in the Gospel of Mark. They followed Jesus. They followed that invitation. They they accepted that invitation to follow Jesus. And then they then Jesus died and he rose again, and then they started their fishing trips. And last week they had their first fishing expedition and, and they ended up in jail for two reasons. Remember, they end up in jail for healing a crippled man and for talking about Jesus. And they were on trial and they, 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 they shared the truths about who God is. And then now this week, we're going to pick up our story in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. They just finished the trial. They just were set free. And on their release, verse 23, Peter and John, their release from this trial, their release from jail, Peter and John went back to their own people. And they reported to the chief priests and the elders, they reported to the chief priests all the, I'm sorry, they reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them. See, on their release from jail, Peter and John told their people, told this small group of followers of Jesus, this budding movement that we call the church, they told them all. That the chief priests and the elders said. They said the chief priests, you know, the religious leaders, you know, the, the ones that killed Jesus just a few weeks earlier, they commanded us not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. That was the command that they heard from the religious leaders. They said, you can believe in Jesus, you can even raise your kids to follow Jesus, but quit talking about Jesus. You're commanded not to talk Or teach in the name of Jesus. And then in verse 24, we read, When they heard this, when they heard they can't talk about Jesus anymore, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. See, they prayed. And they prayed together. Hours earlier, they were probably praying for Peter and John to be released from prison. Hours earlier, they were probably praying that God would protect Peter and John, that God would release Peter and John, that God would do a miracle to set their friends free from jail. But when they heard that the chief priests and the elders commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, they prayed a different prayer. They didn't pray for protection, although they needed needed protection. I mean, the, the chief priests and the elders, they had the power to kill them. They didn't pray for wisdom. Although they needed wisdom, they were going to be making some major decisions in the days to come, but they didn't pray for wisdom. And they didn't pray for provision. They didn't pray that God provide for our needs. We really need food. We really need shelter. They didn't pray for wisdom. They didn't pray for provision. They didn't pray for protection. They they prayed a prayer. After hearing what the chief priests and the elders told them, they prayed a prayer when the chief priests and elders told them that they had to be quiet. They raised their voices and they prayed. Verse 24. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Sovereign Lord, you created everything. You hold everything in your hands. You're the creator of the world. You are the sovereign one. They began their prayer acknowledging that God is sovereign. So you can tell a lot about a person based on the prayers that they pray. You can tell a lot about a person's relationship with God based on how they pray. And these first fishermen saw God as sovereign. Saw God as the creator. They said, God, you created the whole world, but you didn't just create everything. You hold the whole world in your hands. Remember that song? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brothers. He's got everything in his hands. He created it all and he holds the whole world in his hands. He's the sovereign one. He's the creator. He's got the whole world in his hands. And they addressed God as the sovereign one, the one that can do whatever he pleases. And he said, and they went on to say in verse 25, they said, you spoke by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. You said some things through our servant, David. You said some things way back in the book of Psalms that looks real familiar to what we're experiencing today. And then these first followers of Jesus reached back into Psalm 2, and they pulled out some scriptures and applied it to their lives and their context. And they said... Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Why do the nations rage? Why do the rulers plot in vain against the Lord, the anointed one? Don't they know that God's the sovereign one? Don't they know that God's plans always prevail? Why do the rulers and authorities take their stand Against the Messiah. They connected their lives to God's word. And then they said, they prayed, indeed, right now, this is happening. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. Indeed, right now. This is happening because the rulers conspired against the Holy One. The anointed, what Herod and Pontius Pilate and, and and the people of Israel, the leaders of Israel, they conspired against the Messiah, the Holy One. What you said that happened, what David wrote a thousand years ago is happening right now. Indeed. And I love that this was a community experience. They prayed. And they saw the connection between the scriptures and their lives. And they said, aha, what you wrote about through our father, David, is happening right now. The leaders, they conspired against your Holy One. They conspired against the Messiah. This is a fulfillment of messianic prophecy. And then in verse 28, they said, they did... What your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Meaning, you're the sovereign one. You can do whatever you want. They did what you planned would happen. What you decided beforehand should happen. They, meaning the rulers and authorities, Pontius Pilate, Herod, the the leaders of the day, they did what you planned out would happen. They did your will. See, the disciples were thinking in their minds, you know, we thought this was over. We thought once Jesus died, once he was nailed to the cross, once the spear was in his side, we thought the movement ended. I mean, we thought that bad things were not supposed to happen to good people. I mean, we thought that suffering was a sign that God wasn't with you. I mean, we thought it was over. I mean, we thought the Messiah was coming and overthrow the Roman government and set up his kingdom on earth. I mean, some of our leaders even went back to fishing for fish. See, we thought it was over. But this was all part of your plan. This was all part of your sovereign plan. The trial, the flogging, the the, the cross, the suffering. This was all part of your plan. We thought it was over. But you were working behind the scenes the whole time. Because you're the sovereign one. You're the one in control of the universe. you got the whole world in your hands. We thought it was over. But your will was being accomplished. You allowed this to happen. And when they realized that the sovereign Lord allowed Jesus to suffer, when they realized that God allowed the rulers of the world to resist the anointed one, when they saw how the arrest and the trial and the floggings and the cross were all part of God's plan, they prayed a different prayer. They didn't pray for protection, although they needed protection. They didn't pray for wisdom, although they had some major decisions they had. They didn't pray for provision, although they needed many things. They prayed a prayer that many of us probably have never prayed. They prayed a prayer that many of us never even think about praying. In the midst of oppression, in the midst of resistance, they prayed a prayer that God enables, that God invites us to pray. See, once they saw, once they understood that God allows suffering, that God allows oppression, that this was all part of God's plan, they realized that what what happened to Jesus could happen to them. That, That the servant's not above their master. That if they put Jesus on trial, if they put Jesus on the cross, that that could happen to them. And then they prayed this in verse 29. Now, Lord... Consider their threats. Now, Lord, consider their threats. These are real threats. They could take us out. And we don't want to go to jail. We don't want to die. Consider their threats. But that's not where the prayer ended. And, they prayed, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They prayed for boldness. They prayed for courage. They prayed for strength in the midst of this opposition, in the midst of this life-threatening situation, in the midst of this resistance to the movement of Jesus. They prayed, God, don't let us miss our moment. God, enable us to speak your word with great boldness. God, don't let us balk at the opportunity to participate in what you are doing here on earth. Enable us. To speak your word with great boldness. Have you ever prayed for boldness? Have you ever asked God to give you boldness? Have you ever said, God, you know, I'm in a really difficult situation. Things are really hard. They're challenging. And I don't really understand why I'm going through this difficult time. But I just pray that your will would be accomplished. And in the midst of my suffering, that you would enable me to speak your word. You You ever pray that prayer for boldness? You ever pray God I know that you've called me to be a fisher of men And you know that kind of makes me scared kind of makes me nervous don't really know what to say I don't know what to do when it comes to evangelism. God, would you just enable me to speak your word With boldness Would you just help me to declare the truth About jesus you ever prayed that prayer for boldness If your prayers are like my prayers, I pray for protection God protect me, protect my kids. You know we're, we're traveling; we need you. I pray for wisdom, God. I got this major decision coming up in my life. Would you give me wisdom? I pray for provision, God. Would you help my friend He needs a job? Would you help my neighbor? He's really sick. I pray for prayer. I pray for provision. I pray for wisdom. I pray for protection. I very rarely pray for boldness, but that's what these first followers did. In the midst of their challenging situation, in the midst of this life-threatening situation, they prayed. For great boldness, not just like average boldness, because with great opposition, we need great boldness. And they pray. They pray, they say, God, enable us to speak your word with great boldness. By the way, boldness is not what I do on Sunday morning when I preach a sermon. You know, that's not boldness boldness is not when you see like a, a guy in the street corner shouting out, hey, turn and repent and follow Jesus. That's not boldness. Boldness is not when you, when you see someone at a football game, they have John 316 on a poster. That's not boldness. Boldness is not a t-shirt that you wear that says, you know, Jesus saves or having a, a symbol of a fish on your car. Bold. that's not boldness. Boldness is not even talking to a stranger at the beach or the mall and introducing them to Jesus. That's not boldness. Boldness is talking to the people you love about Jesus. Boldness is talking to that friend, that neighbor, that coworker, and asking them, hey, how are you and God doing? How, where are you at in your spiritual journey? See, that's boldness. Boldness is inviting someone to a worship service to experience God. Uh, boldness is doing something good for the sake of others and explaining why you do it. Boldness is, is planting flowers in Maple Grove. And then if somebody asks you, why did you do that? Well, because I'm a follower of Jesus. Because Jesus says it's better to give than it is to receive. And I really want to participate in the movement of Jesus. See, that's boldness. Uh, boldness is, is, is doing something morally pure and upright, uh, like staying sexually pure or, or not drinking. Or, or, and if somebody asks you, why do you do that? It's because I follow Jesus. And a life of character is a life of freedom. And Jesus died to set me free. See, that's boldness. Boldness is seeing a friend or a neighbor that's sick or in need and praying for them. Maybe right there you ask them, hey, may I pray for you? And then you pray for that need. See, that's boldness. That's risky. And maybe you pray for them right there or maybe you pray for them later on. And then you follow up and you say, how does that need go or how's your illness? See, that's boldness. That's speaking up when the opportunity shows up. That's boldness. Boldness is even praying before a meal. Maybe with your colleagues or maybe with your friends or maybe with your family. And you just pause and you pray and you thank God for that meal. Or maybe you pray publicly. I remember when I was just starting out my journey with Jesus, there, I, I wasn't following Jesus. I was just kind of curious about Jesus. I was in this group setting and a man stood up and prayed. And, and, and he just prayed a normal prayer. He was just talking to his Heavenly Father. But when he said amen, the thought that came through my mind he's talking to someone I have never met. He, he's talking to someone that I have never met. And I didn't ask him about that. I just noticed that the way he prayed led me to a better understanding of who God is. See, that's boldness. Boldness is stepping up when the opportunity shows up. Boldness is asking your friends or asking your classmates or asking your co-workers about their relationship with God. Where are you at in your spiritual journey? How are you and God doing? Boldness is seeing a neighbor or a friend or a family member in need and say, may I pray for you? And then doing it. And then asking them, how's it going? See, that's what boldness is. And that's what God invites us to participate in. And that's what these first followers of, of Jesus prayed. That's what these first fishermen and women asked for. They asked for boldness, the strength to speak up when the opportunity shows up. Because there are opportunities all around us, aren't there? There's opportunities in our homes. There's opportunities in our neighborhood. There's opportunities in our workplaces, in our schools to speak up about how God is at work in our lives and in our church, and among us. See, that's boldness. See, we live in a very interesting time right now. Spirituality is like open season. Anybody can talk about spirituality. In fact, fit, just about 50% of the people here in Maple Grove, or in this area, claim to have a sense of spirituality, but don't know Jesus personally. What a wonderful opportunity. And they are open to talking about Jesus. Jesus is kind of cool. He's kind of in vogue. You know, it's, it's okay, To start a conversation and say, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Or what are your thoughts about the path of Jesus or the way of Jesus? See, there are all sorts of opportunities and conversations that we have every day to talk about Jesus. And what we need in those moments is not a slick formula. We don't need the four spiritual laws. We don't need some presentation. We don't need all the answers to all that person's questions. You know what we need? boldness. You know what I need? Boldness. I need God to enable me to speak his words. So when the opportunity shows up, that I I take that opportunity. And that's what these first fishermen prayed. That's what they prayed. In the midst of the opposition, in the midst of the resistance, in the midst of this life-threatening situation, they said, sovereign Lord, You who created the world, you have the whole world in your hands. Would you enable me to speak your word with boldness? They got their eyes off their own circumstances and their own situation. They lifted them up to that God's sovereign, he's in control. And they said, I want to participate in what he's doing. I want to participate in the movement of Jesus. I want to speak his word. With boldness, I don't want to miss my moment. I don't want to balk at the opportunity. I want to speak. I want to participate. I want to lead. And did you notice what he they didn't pray? They didn't pray for protection because it's scary. They didn't pray for provision because they had a lot of needs and, and God knew that. What they needed was boldness. They didn't even pray for their unsaved family members or their unsaved friends. That's what we do, you know, we kind of pray, we kinda huddle up and we pray for our family members or our friends that don't know Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. I do it all the time. But just add to that prayer, God, would you enable me to speak to that person with boldness? You know that that person that I really love, that I really care about, that's distant from God. Would you enable me to have a conversation with them about who you are? A number of years ago, I had the opportunity to take a step of faith to take a step of boldness and talk about uh, someone that I love about my relationship with God. A very good friend of mine, uh, we grew up, you know, having a lot of fun together, and and, uh, we grew up loving Chicago sports, and I had the opportunity to take my friend to uh, a Blackhawks game. Blackhawks are almost in the Stanley Cup, go Hawks. And I had the opportunity to take my buddy to this Blackhawks game, and while we were, you know, had some pretty decent seats in between the second and third period... I asked my friend a simple question. I said, hey, if I could summarize the Bible for you in like 10 minutes, like while the earth while the ice is resurfacing, you know, would you be interested in that? He said, yeah. I mean, I'm just sitting here. Of course. And I wasn't a pastor at the time. I was just a guy. I was just a friend. I said, hey, if I could just take 10 minutes to kind of summarize this whole big book, you know, would you be interested? He says, yeah. And so this is what I did. I, I took the back of the hockey program at the United Center and, and I just wrote down a few simple things. On, on one side of the backside of that program, I just wrote down the word God. And I asked my buddy, I said, hey, what can you tell me about God? What do you know about God? And, you know, he was a religious guy. He kind of knew the drill. He kind of knew some answers. And, and one of the answers he says, you know, is that God is holy. You know, he's this God that's perfect, this God that is sinless, this God that's big and awesome. This is great. And then he says, you know, that God is love. You know, He's love, love, love. That God is love. That God is holy. And that, that he's the creator. And we had this long list, this discussion about some of the attributes of God. And we're just talking. We're just having a conversation at the United Center at a hockey game. And I say, what can you tell me about humanity? What can you tell me about man? What can you tell me about our world, our condition? And and, and his first words that we were good. That 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 God created us good, that we're made in his image, that we're good. And and that that, that that we're loving, you know, that we're capable of loving, and that we love one another, that we're created for community, for relationships. And and, and he didn't use quite these words, but you know, he kinda of said sin. You know, he basically said we have a problem. That we don't always treat each other well, that we have this sin—you didn't use those words, but it's really close—we have this sin in our lives, this tainting of our understanding of who God is and how we relate to one another. And then we went on and we had another, a, long, you know, a list of other things. And then I says, "Well, th- th- those, that's what the Bible teaches." And I add a little bit more of, of the scriptures. And I says, "The Bible also says that our sin problem is leads us to a relationship without God." All right. In the end, if we continue in our sin, our sin separates us from God. That the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God, and that we have this problem that our sin separates us from God. And I, I kind of just did like this. I did this little separation deal. Maybe you've seen this before. And I just and I said now. Oftentimes, we as humans try to bridge this gap between a holy, loving, creator God and a humanity that's good but tainted by sin by doing good works. I said this is basically most of the world's religions, that we try to pump out good works. That if we do enough good works, then, then God will like us. That if we perform well, then God will let us in. That somehow, if we do the right things, we'll enter into God's good graces when we die. But the only problem is, you, don't, you know, the, the standard is, per, is, is perfection. The standard is holiness. So there isn't enough good works that we can do to bridge that gap into a holy God. And then I says, sometimes we go into philosophy. That that uh, we philosophize our way into a, a relationship with God. You know, that, that we think our way, you know, God is everywhere or we are God. And we kind of get into this type of thinking that is a philosophy that can somehow bridge this gap. And kind of say, you know, but you know, that kind of leads... Nowhere, and I kind of explain that a little bit more. And then I says what the what the Bible teaches us is that there's this person named Jesus, and that he died on a cross. I kind of illustrated here with a little bit of a cross here, and that that, that Jesus lived this perfect life, and he and, and, and he died in our place, and then he, and then he rose from the grave. And that if we put our trust in Jesus, if we as humanity put our trust in Jesus, then we can enter into a relationship with God that that lasts forever. And it was about 10 minutes. And it was a dialogue. It was a conversation. And I explained it a little bit more. And then I said to him, you know, if you choose and you ask Christ, if you put your faith in Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, you can bridge this gap and enter into a relationship with God that lasts forever. And you can begin to follow Jesus as the way and the truth of the life. I said, would you be interested in following Christ? He said, no. And that's cool. That's fine. But then what I did is I gave him the back of that program. And I said, just think about it. Just take this thing with you. And he did. And he had it for many, many years. And about three years ago, he prayed to trust Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. But all I did was tell the story. All I did was explain the gospel presentation, the path of salvation. Really simple. In fact, I did the exact same thing or a very similar thing last Sunday after the worship service. I was with a young couple. I, I explained, hey, if I could summarize the Bible just real quickly, would you be interested? They said, sure. And after I went through this little deal here, I, you know what they said to me? Thanks. That's really clear. I can understand that. He says, would you like to trust God and trust Jesus as your Savior? No. That's okay. That's just fine. Take this with you. Think about it. Pray over it. Stay on the path of trying to know and get to know God. But see, that's our role. That's our joy. Is to simply tell the story. And we don't need a slick formula. We don't need a, 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 a little track. What we need is boldness. We just need to be able to talk about who God is and how He's changed our lives. And if we put our faith in Him, we can enter into a personal relationship with God forever. See, that's what these first followers, these first fishermen prayed for. They prayed for boldness. And I love how this section ends in verse 31. In verse 31, they... they uh, It says this after they prayed after they had this little prayer gathering the place where they were meeting was shaken Like the holy spirit was doing a mighty work. The place was shaken And they were all filled with the holy spirit It wasn't just peter and john. It wasn't just the leaders. It was everyone. It was the entire church was filled With the holy spirit and how did you know they were filled with the holy spirit? What was an expression of the presence of god inside of them? Well, they spoke the Word of God boldly. They spoke God's Word. When the opportunity showed up, they spoke up. And they spoke God's Word with great boldness. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what we all want? Isn't that what we want to do is to be so sensitive to the Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit in us in such a unique way that we can just talk about how God's at work in our lives? if that's what you want, I would just invite you to pray the same prayer that these first fishermen prayed, To ask God to give you boldness. To simply say, Sovereign Lord, you who hold the whole world in your hands, you who created everything, you that have everything in control. I'm a little scared. I'm a little nervous. I don't know what to say or do. But would you give me boldness to speak your word? And I tell you what, if you pray that prayer, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to be more aware of the people around you, your neighborhood, your coworkers, workers your, your, your friends, and how you might be able to speak to them. And you're going to overcome that fear of evangelism that we all have. Because the Spirit of God will be giving you the strength to speak His Word. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, Sovereign Lord, the Creator of the sun and the moon and the stars, You who hold the whole world in your hands. We bless you. We worship you. We give you thanks this morning for who you are. And we surrender our will to your will. We surrender our plans to your plans. Because when we make plans, they're not going to go anywhere. But when we see your plans to make us into fishermen or that sometimes hard things happen to us, we surrender in those circumstances that we're all in. And in those moments, we ask, we pray that you would do something inside of us to enable us to speak your word with great boldness. In Jesus' name, amen.